Hello, hello, insiders, and welcome to a special segment of the Insider Series. It seems like just yesterday we were talking about going into 2021, and here we are, closing another chapter on another year. At Cisco, we publish an annual report to focus on emerging trends and highlight customer thoughts through surveys. Last year's report highlighted the ways network technologies are being used to improve business resilience. Fast forward 365 days, in the 2022 Global Networking Trends Report, we focus on emerging trends that have big implications for the future, the rise of network as a service, or as known as NAS. Here to share the report's insights, and if NAS is something you should pursue, are Prashant Shanoi and Phil Maynard. So Prashant, thanks so much for joining me today. Could you kick us off and tell us who you are and share with our insiders something you're excited about for this year? Awesome. Hey, Jasmine. First of all, thanks for the invite here. Um, really looking forward to having an awesome conversation here with uh, Phil and you. So Prashant and I, and I have the pleasure and good fortune of running um, Cisco's enterprise networking and cloud from a product and solutions marketing standpoint. Uh, very, very excited to have this conversation on network as a service or NAS uh, with you folks. And you mentioned, Jasmine, something that I'm really excited about. Uh, <laughs> 2022. Uh, when we ended 2021, one of the things that I had, I don't generally have New Year resolution, but uh, I'm really, really looking forward to spending a bit more time in person with my team here, uh, with our Cisco colleagues, and uh, most importantly, our customers, right? So in person at events. So fingers crossed that I get to sit on an airplane, which used to be so normal. Now I'm really looking forward for that trip down anywhere and, and getting to see some customers and having an in-person conversation. Thanks, Prashant. Um, Phil, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're excited about this year? Absolutely. Thank you, Jasmine. Uh, so my name is Phil Maynard. I'm a director of product management over here in the Networks Business Unit. Uh, we primarily look after the Cisco Plus portfolio. Uh, specifically, uh, I'm responsible for partner product management and go to market of our uh, newest networking offer um, and SASE offer, which we refer to as Cisco Plus Secure Connect. One of the things I'm looking forward to this year is um, in addition to building our team, uh, which we're growing rapidly, uh, and, and that's very exciting. Uh, we're looking forward to an upcoming release of Cisco Plus Secure Connect. Uh, that includes the networking component among some other key features. So uh, the team is working really hard uh, to get that ready for our customers. Uh, we're very excited about it and uh, and we're very proud of the work uh, that the team has put into that offer. That's great, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm really excited to share these NAS insights with our listeners. So kind of stepping into the topic, um, we are all working from anywhere and everywhere there is Wi-Fi. As remote work is becoming more and more normal, the workforce is transforming, and there's a new challenge that comes with that kind of transformation. But I'm curious to see how the network industry is evolving too. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's uh, an interesting phase. I, I can attest, uh, Phil and I, I think we've been in the networking industry for a long time, right? So it's my 22nd year running, and we've seen this transformation of networking, which is still very critical as a foundational element for connecting people, things, data, and application, no matter where they are. So that part remains the same. 
But networking and the way networking is consumed in Delaware has fundamentally changed from being a hardware-centric focus to more of a software-delivered focus to more of a subscription model over the last few years to now as a service model, right? So also known as as. So this, this transformation from hardware to software to subscription to as a service has been fundamental because it's not just a consumption model, it's the way IT operates. It's the way IT looks at networking to drive business outcomes so they can focus truly on what the business needs. Uh, and that has been very, very exciting because it puts a lot of challenges around security, around resiliency, around availability, around application experience and end user experience. So it's been fascinating uh, for us to talk to our customers, look at the market space and see how fastly we can innovate to help provide these outcomes for our customers. Yeah, absolutely, Prashant. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, some of the things that I've been seeing in the market is really how quickly things are changing right now. Uh, certainly, there's been uh, some black swan events out there with uh, with COVID and the need to transition uh, very quickly to hybrid work. Uh, but regardless, customers have access to uh, many solutions out there uh, from a lot of different vendors and uh, in the solution spaces uh, is fairly robust. So uh, so there's a lot to consider. Uh, a, a lot of evolved delivery models and in, in new ways to leverage uh, OEMs, partners, uh, and, and other third-party components um, to to get greater insights uh, from the network, and then also to uh, to evolve and, and, and keep it keep it current and keep it modern with uh, the demands of our new applications. Thanks, Phil. So, as I understand it, when enterprises were configuring their network infrastructure. The public internet at that time was not a trusted place to conduct business. Due to that, they built their own private versions of the internet and connected facilities like branches to one another with physical hardware. So what's changed? And this brings me to my star question, what is network as a service? Yeah, it's an interesting phenomena, Jasmine, that we were just discussing, right? The world has become more and more distributed, uh, whether it's because of hybrid work where people like us can work from anywhere, uh, any place in the office, home, or anywhere else, but also a drastic change in the way applications are created, consumed, and delivered, right? Thanks to public cloud, multi-cloud, um, hybrid cloud, and distributed cloud computing. So what has happened because of that is now the networking element is smack in the center of this change, right? From both sides, from the user thing side and from the application side. So managing networks is getting to be more and more complicated in this new world, and it's getting very complex. So enter NAS or a network as a service, and there are a lot of myths in terms of what NAS is and NAS isn't. We can have an entire podcast just on that, I think. Uh, but in a simple manner, NAS is truly helping IT operators move from this mundane day-to-day -day way of operating the network and focus truly on the business outcome. So to do that, vendors or managed service providers or partners can package the hardware, the software, the support, the subscription, the management platform, everything, and provide this as a flexible consumption model to our customers, right? So in, in a way, uh, Phil here, uh, as we were just uh, discussing before the podcast here, right? Like you are a certified uh, flight uh, instructor or a, a yes. pilot, right? So, As a matter of fact, I am. That, that's awesome. And I was thinking, hey, what's a good analogy to have this uh, NAS conversation? And in a way, like pilots used to have 
these manual control systems to take off land, even cruising altitude, like, like white knuckling for six hours, the control system uh, to take a flight from LA to New York. Now, a lot of it is done in autopilot, right? Like this mundane task of all, like cruise control, 30,000 feet altitude. You don't need to operate the entire flight system. The autopilot takes over. So for me, NASA is the same thing for IT operators, right? Like some of the mundane task of operating, provisioning, managing, configuring, and monitoring can be done through NAS and you focus on strategic initiatives and objectives that the business wants to deliver using the network. So that's one way of looking at NAS. Uh, Phil, uh, I'm, I'm sure you have an alternate way. <laughs> I, I do, yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of pilots would look at it as um, hand flying the airplane uh, for multiple hours versus supervising uh, the, the flight management system or the, the autopilot uh, to get to where they want to go. You know that the pilot's ultimate role does not change in that construct. They are responsible for safe passage of, of that flight and the safety of the, the passengers in, in the airplane, right? At the end of the day, that's the number one priority. Um, but they're just doing it a little bit differently. And in the context of, of NAS, for example, you know, some of that lower level life cycle management or the compliance tasks uh, that in many time, in many situations consumes the resources of our networking teams that's the equivalent of the hand flying of the airplane. Whereas um, that can be very easily, and in many cases, um, more optimally outsourced to a provider. Uh, and then in, in that situation, the networking team can focus on, uh, on more solutioning. For example, keeping up with some of the latest architectures, uh, focusing on tech refresh, being consultants back to their application teams and the line of business to work on concepts like resilience, performance, security, providing some of those solutions and thought leadership versus focusing on, hey, I've got to test the latest release from uh, from Cisco uh, to make sure that I don't run into any bugs, for example, when I go to um, upgrade um, my environment. So uh, so all of that would be taken care of, freeing up that, that capacity to go do, I would say, more interesting things um, for, for that team, but still leveraging their core skill set. Yeah. I think, in fact, Phil, that was one of the core findings from our NAS study, um, where we talked to around 1,500 respondents from IT and senior execs. And one of the key benefits that they thought NAS would deliver is to free IT from this burden of day-to-day -day operations and focus on business innovation, right, over 50%, right. and help them uh, embrace certain disruptions like what we're talking about right now, right, like hybrid work because of COVID, uh, Etc. So that's a huge benefit um, of of NAS in that way. Yeah, absolutely, Prashant. And you know, I've uh, I've had some interesting experiences both as a, a Cisco customer uh, in the past, uh, but also um, in the field with our professional services organization, uh, and then our sales organization as well. And you know, when we're in a situation uh, of too much day to day consuming the networking team they have less capacity to make some of those more strategic architectural level shifts. Um, and, uh, and so consequently, the, the speed of change becomes a little bit slower. They require a lot more staff augmentation and surge support to keep up, just to keep up with the, the modernization required uh, to run their business effectively. And so this allows them to run a little bit more steady state uh, and, and really, quite frankly, um, offload some of those things that um, they just would be better off not addressing in, in some scenarios. 
Another point, just to circle back around on uh, on the original uh, on the original question that you had there, Jasmine. There's um, there's a couple other trends that I I did want to call out um, that that we're seeing, and the, and the first is um, today we're seeing a lot more utilization of SaaS applications in addition to applications that are hosted in um, customers' uh, data centers, and so some of the some of the architectural patterns that have worked in the past around routing all of the traffic back to the data center, applying policy to it, and then um, having it essentially hairpin back out to the SaaS provider. Um, it's it creates performance issues. Um, it's expensive, and there are now more optimal ways of solving some of those problems. Um, our new SASE architectures, for example, mitigate that, allowing traffic uh, to still have policy applied to it um, and uh, more seamlessly interact with those cloud solutions that in, in, in SaaS delivered applications that are out there. Uh, the the other trend that that i've seen that is having a, a profound impact more in the in the commercial and mid-market is uh, the availability of business class internet um, business class internet is extremely reliable um, and provides you um, almost the same um, level of service available to you as if you you paid a service provider to um, mpls connectivity to your uh, campus location and so if, if you look at the internet as the new corporate network, for example, uh, it really is a major paradigm shift around, hey, what, what does that unlock for us with some of these, uh, these newer architectures? I didn't know that business class internet was a thing. So thank you for teaching me something new amongst all of the new things I'm learning today. That being said, um, I really do love that airplane analogy. It really helps explain how the role of IT leaders and teams is shifting to more of a laissez-faire approach. Um, they can see what's going on in the network, but they're not really doing the nitty-gritty work like flying the planes or fixing the issues within the network. You know, that being said, what does that mean for a practitioner? Phil, I'll come to you here. As a former customer of Cisco, how do you think of NAS in a practitioner point of view? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's there's a number of uh, different ways to to think about NAS and and some of the the five steps that are really out there from my point of view on how to adopt it. Um, so the, the the first is think about the the overall design and deployment and some of those day two support models that you you have in place today. Um, you know, so the, the the question of the day there is. How much of this do we want to keep in place? How much do we need to keep in place? And which pieces of this do we want to evolve? Um, you know, obviously a change management program involves really making intentional decisions around um, choosing what needs to be migrated and why, um, and in ensuring that the, the NAS structure doesn't really duplicate and it complements what you do intend to keep in place. Uh, and of course, you know, that will allow you to get to uh, a very clear point of view on uh, the different offers that are out there, how to select a NAS provider uh, really involves buying into the SLA, the support construct that they offer, um, you know, the visibility that it provides of the network um, and, and the features. Uh, the other thing to consider is um, many customers believe that their environment is extremely unique, and in some cases it is. But um, getting to a point where you're okay delegating some of those architectural decisions and some of that control to a provider uh, to make those decisions on your behalf 
um, and and getting comfortable with you know managing to an SLA, for example, and and buying those buying those features. That's it's a kind of a new mindset for some of our our networking folks. Secondly, um, getting to a point of of understanding uh, your your budget construct and, and getting it to where it's um, it's stable, um, and and so a, a lot of a lot of that um, is driven by you know taking a look at how you plan to lifecycle manage the environment today, um, the the network refresh cycle. You know one of the best practices that I've seen is you know really refreshing about uh, and ensuring that you have the budget to refresh about 25% of your environment, or I would say 20% of your environment every, um, every five years, roughly. That's kind of a good rule of thumb so that you have a relatively flat budget profile um, and you're, you're maintaining um, a, a modern baseline. And so getting to a degree of standardization is also uh, another step. Um, design templates, configurations and, and overall reduction of complexity will, will set you up to be more predictable um, and, and more stable. Uh, and then of course, understanding the current utilization that you have. Um, there's a lot of network management tools uh, that are out there uh, that and, and they will provide a, a lot of really great insight uh, into your utilization, which will allow you then to, to help understand, okay, how does my cost profile uh, change as I evolve to these new models? You know, uh, what units of measure am I consuming from a provider uh, versus what am I delivering to myself today as you know an internal IT department? Um, and so that'll allow you to, to best assess um, utility pros and cons uh, and, and so forth. Um, one of one of the ways to um, to kind of start the conversation around these types of pure utility models is to to think about starting with a subscription you know where you do have a degree of predictability um, and then you know using that as a bridge to a, a more utility consumption type model um, so um, an, another step to consider would be uh, the, the brownfield um, scenario this is probably where a lot of the complexity arises um, you know, many customers will probably wait until a refresh cycle um, is happening, uh, and unless there's a compelling event, like for example, all of us going to a full-on remote work scenario. Um, you know, so there there may be an, an option available to potentially um, leverage the hardware that you have in place. You know, get into a, a more stable subscription type model. Uh, you know, those types of concepts are are worth thinking about. Um, you know, one of the one of the other considerations is uh, the the concept of the new network as a service offers bringing in more security features, and so in in this type of situation, uh, you're seeing a convergence of networking and security. Uh, in which case, you'll have more stakeholders to engage with uh, internal to your firm uh, to gain consensus on on that solution. So, uh, like for example. Cisco Plus Secure Connect is a SASE solution which integrates networking and security features. Thus, there's now two buying centers involved in a in an enterprise type environment, and um, you'll want to really join forces um, in the event those those really are two buying centers in your firm. Um, so the, the the fourth step um, around assessing a, a provider in a, in a transition to NAS is really. At the end of the day, um, this concept of trust. Um, you know, we we talked about it it being a fairly significant step to to transition to a network as a service construct. 
And uh, when we when we do that, uh, we have to be able to trust that the environment that we're adopting um, is uh, is a, a safe environment for us, right? Um, and so provider selection is huge, making sure that you trust that provider um, and, and their capabilities will be uh, absolutely critical. Um, support and scalability have been factors that we've heard from our customers as being very important. And then also um, solution completeness. Um, I would say a, a close second to solution completeness would be the ability to integrate very easily and be fairly modular um, with, with other solution components that you might need. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, we've, we have heard loud and clear that uh, outstanding support and responsiveness and, um, and the ability to engage on that uh, SLA are, are uh, super important for our customers. Yeah, I think a whole lot of Phil, what you mentioned came out loud and clear in our NAS report. So, and the way I'd like to summarize it is like the the what type of services should you NASify, if you will? Uh, when should you start looking at the NAS service? Uh, who should be uh, providing these NAS services? And then how to proceed um, embracing these NAS services, right? Like the, the what, when, who, and how. So the what part, I think SASE, I think one is majority of our respondents were looking at SASE to be one of those key services that they can provide us NAS, right? And then there were things like hybrid cloud, right? As you start migrating your applications from your data center to public cloud, what kind of a, as a service from a network and compute and storage perspective can you provide that can be completely delivered as a service? Um, then, as you rightly pointed out, close to 49% of our customers said that during the next refresh cycle, predominantly from an infrastructure perspective, is the right time for them to consider an ass, right? So that's pretty clear because they do want investment protection and what we call sweating the asset. Uh, of their existing investment before they look at new consumption models, and, and that makes uh, more sense. And who? It's absolutely based on trust. Uh, a lot of our customers prefer their existing managed service provider um, or a network vendor like Cisco um, or a channel partner or a telco service provider, business class internet, as we were discussing, to provide these NAS service, right? And finally, the how part is 34% uh, of our respondents said that uh, Brownfield is a place where they are looking to deploy this, right? So, and that becomes very, very crucial. So um, exciting times, but uh, as a practitioner, you always approach this major shifts in the way you deploy and monitor your systems with a bit of caution. And that was kind of clear, right? So not every customer's NAS journey is the same. You got to look at what your business objective are, where you are in your IT journey, what's your IT philosophy, and then take these uh, steps that you articulated, Phil. Yeah, absolutely. And Prashant, I just want to amplify one of the points that you made with regard to partners. Um, partners and, and the ecosystem are extremely important. Um, and that was something that uh, we've heard from some of the research uh, that we've done, some primary research with with customers and um, and market-facing analysts, and um, you know the, the value of partners bringing uh, solution true solution completeness um, to the to the customer, um, and you know the value MSPs play and and providers and integrators um, in the customer space to to navigate some of these brownfield considerations uh, and, and stabilizing their environment is is huge. 
Uh, and so those are some areas in our Cisco Plus portfolio that uh, that we're investing in. Uh, of course, I've been looking after uh, partner product management and, and working with some of our design partners to uh, to create the uh, the opportunity for our, our partners to round out our solutions. Right. Uh, you know, where we will we will deliver a stack and our partners will help us uh, really deliver the complete value proposition. Like I said earlier, Network as a Service is giving IT teams an opportunity to spend time on other projects that add business value. And I'm kind of echoing what Phil and Prashant have already said. With every solution, I think there always comes some pros and some cons. We've talked a lot about those pros and how NAS can help customers. But what about the cons? Are there any? What should customers be aware of when it comes to obstacles that they may encounter when adopting NAS? Yeah, I think that's a it's a very interesting question. And as we were just discussing, I, when just like us human beings, when we want to embrace something new, the fear of the unknown is always there, right? So, and when we talk to our customers again through the NAS uh, survey that we did. The number one concern was, is NAS able to handle these unexpected demands? Uh, I think if anything, the last two years has shown is nobody has a crystal ball uh, in this world, right? We could have never predicted what happened. So IT specifically has been the forefront or behind the scene in terms of helping customers continue their business or thrive in this tough environment. So they're looking at like, can any NAS solution help me embrace this unexpected demand that's gonna be placed on IT, that's number one. Two, loss of control, right? So when I'm giving all of my systems to be managed by a managed service provider or a partner or a vendor, do I have complete loss of control from a security perspective, from a visibility perspective, from a monitoring perspective, et cetera? So this is more of an education and awareness uh, with the IT, uh, more than what NAS can truly help. Uh, I would say that's the second key thing. Um, and the three thing, the third thing is always around cost, right? Uh, I think cloud and SaaS has provided kind of a business model of a capex to an opex kind of a thing, utility pricing kind of a thing. Uh, what does NAS mean from a cost perspective? Is it going to increase their total cost of ownership? Decrease not just over a year, but over a period of time, right? So that's been kind of the three big barriers or concerns, um, if you will, that the NAS survey came clear about. Yeah, absolutely, Prashant. And another thing that we're hearing is that the predictability of those costs. You, you probably remember the early days of um, cloud yeah. adoption where um, you know some of the folks are uh, on the, the infrastructure teams are saying, hey, wait a minute, let's hold off on spinning up your own AWS instance because we we don't want a gigantic bill um, next month. Um, so, you know, that's that's why uh, a little bit earlier in the conversation, just getting a baseline of really that TCO to make an apples to apples comparison. And um, one of the things we're hearing is cost is not uh, not the only driving factor behind this uh, this transition. It's it's other things that are that are further up in the value chain. Um, you know, but getting getting a good business case and a solid crisp business case on here's my current TCO, here's how predictable I am today. And then when I migrate to this new model, if I migrate to this new model, here's what my profile is gonna look like going forward. And, and here's what I gain. Um, you know, there, there's an interesting um, field out there called behavioral economics. And um, one of the things I, I learned 
by doing some light reading there was people are very loss averse, uh, you know, in general. And so it's, yes, in, in some cases, you, you do see hardware and other uh, in support and so forth bundled into a single solution. Um, but at the same time, uh, that's not necessarily a loss of, of control. You gain elsewhere in terms of freeing up that capacity to do more uh, value-added uh, things that we talked about earlier in, in this discussion. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and I would call all of the points that you mentioned, and I look at it from a risk standpoint, mm -hmm. any vendor or a service provider or a partner that needs to provide this NAS to, to IT has to have some kind of a risk sharing, right? Um, and we can call it through a service level agreement, like, hey, I guarantee you this service level, right? And it's a risk sharing. If it doesn't, then uh, you're not going to get that uh, kind of an OPEX from us, right? So cost perspective. Um, so that becomes very, very crucial. So if you can provide that and it goes back to the trust as well as providing that right level of business outcome um, as part of the NAS service, it goes a whole long, long way to alleviate some of the concerns IT has. I like that NAS is flexible. Um, I think that's something every solution needs to be now. Um, to echo your point, Prashant, the future is so unwritten, so unpromised, and it can be daunting for big companies or enterprises. With the industry changing, the workforce evolving, solutions need to be able to adapt and adjust with anything that comes its way. So before we wrap up, Prashant and Phil, um, what are some pieces of advice around adopting NAS that listeners won't find elsewhere? Yeah, I think I'll quickly state, right? So for me, the three things. Number one, not all NAS journey is going to be the same, right? There's no one size fits all NAS for every single customer of every single size, right? So truly take a step back and have this crawl, walk, fly moment for you to say, what can I, what kind of services within my IT ecosystem that can I use as NAS and work with your network vendor or the channel partner to help drive that, right? So it has to be a partnership um, truly here. Um, so that's step, uh, step one. Um, two, I would say have an open mind when it comes to what NAS can provide, right? We, we had a lot of discussion around loss of control, um, loss of security, et cetera. A lot of this actually NAS can help you provide, right? So freeing up time uh, during the days that we live in today are extremely important. And NAS truly helps you kind of take care of that day-to-day -day task away from you so that you can truly focus on being a strategic enabler for your business. So that would be my um, second thing. And three, challenge your vendors um, to, to think differently in terms of how to provide NAS, right? It's not just a consumption model. It's a lot more beyond that. Uh, so challenges, because we are all in this journey to learn together in terms of what is the right level of NAS service to provide. So I would kind of end with that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to add on that, um, a, a couple points. So I would I would say start small. Um, you know, network segmentation is no matter how you look at it, a security best practice. And so it would be uh, fairly straightforward um, to you know just do a pilot and 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 try out in a certain segment of your network uh, a, a NAS solution that's in the market. Uh, gain some experience with it, kick the tires a little. Uh, and then compare it to how you're currently operating um, your environment today. Um, the, the other piece that I wanted to amplify was security. 
Um, sometimes um, control and security seem like opposing goals. Um, and this is part of why I, I mentioned trust earlier, um, where it's, it is perfectly feasible to have uh, a NAS provider deliver a hardened and secured environment as a service. Um, and, um, you know, there, there's some possibly interesting solutions that are out there um, in, in that regard. So, um, so take a look at that and, and be willing to, to trust the provider, um, you know, similar to how, um, you know, our cloud providers and the hyperscalers secure their environment. Um, a lot of interesting best practices there. Um, and then the, the last thing I'll say is, and this is probably a little bit unconventional, um, while NAS does offer a lot of predictability um, in, in cost, if that's the only goal, I would say you could probably get to uh, to cost savings and, and predictability doing other things as well, not just NAS. So um, there's some existing best practices today uh, and some approaches that you can leverage. Um, but we, we certainly do think that NAS can offer a, a more simple solution there. Thank you so much for all of the candid advice. I'm sure listeners will take it and really, you know, apply it to themselves. Um, once again, thank you, Prashanth and Phil, for coming on here and talking about NAS. Um, the story is still forming around it in the industry, and I'm glad to have you both on this episode to share your perspective on it. And thank you, insiders, for tuning in. I hope you found this episode informative and educational and helpful to your journey to NAS. If you'd like to learn more, definitely check out the show notes for more resources and hit that subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. And until we get back into the network, ciao and stay safe.